0: Yeah, we start uh, in the world of money and power, and uh, joining me on the line to take a look at the big stories in the capital markets and in company news is uh, Portfolio Manager, 274 Investment Managers, and that is Akwana Mlamlele. Akona, good evening to you and welcome.
1: Good evening, Ayabonga, and to the listeners this evening, how are you doing? No, I'm good, thank you very much. Good. Thanks for having me this evening.
0: Good, good, good. good. Hey, Akona. I want us maybe to start with a bit of a thorny issue, and... Um, You know, if uh, we had all the time in the world tonight, we would have tried to also reach out to uh, the uh, statistician general about this issue. Many of us were expecting, I mean, I know I went on the website of uh, StatsSA when uh, the quarterly labor force survey data for Q4 2021 was supposed to come out. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the initial plan had been 22 February. Now, we're nearly over a month later and it comes out today. The same week where we're expecting quarterly employment statistics to come out on Thursday. It seems to me there's something happening at Stats StatsSA. Um, not only one in terms of the challenges in administering the surveys they use to give us the estimates they put out, but also, I guess, a lot of the issues from a resourcing perspective that many people have been flagging, it seems now, are, I guess, coming to bear.
1: Yeah, so I'd like to indicate um, the publication was sent to come out um, on the 22nd of February. Um, however, due to the change, they indicated, they communicated due to the change In the methodology that they currently use um, and also having them and the team having to adapt um, with regards to COVID-19 lockdown restrictions um, and some of the limitations with regards to data collection. Um, This information, um, however, had to be delayed and which we are getting um, close to over a month later. Um, So yes, it seems like there are challenges in terms of uh, the limitations that they've indicated, uh, the data collections, and maybe the personnel and the resources in order to gather this data. So you'll see from the presentation that like actually did this morning and when they released it um, today at about half past 11 this morning, um, they did um, start off um, indicating some of the reasons why there was a delay. But I think what's also important to note was the response rate. Um, that pre-COVID, um, they had a response rate um, which was in the excess of about um, 67 to 86 percent. Um, however, this response rate in terms of them collecting data has unfortunately been declining um, at a very decelerating um, point of view. Um, so, the current um, low that they have at the moment with regards to response rates is currently at about 44.6 percent, um, which is the data for Q4 2021. Um, so, yes, it's a number of challenges, but also mm-hmm. in terms of the response rate. Um, which have also been declining um, quite considerably.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I find that quite interesting that uh, fewer and fewer people are in the samples that are used, I guess, from one quarter to the next are responding, uh, Mm. which, of course, doesn't really hold uh, any good omens for the census which is currently underway. I mean, uh, I'm expecting to get uh, my census uh, filled out and done uh, sometime over the next few days or so. And uh, yeah, it would be interesting to hear from the statistical agency whether or not uh, they uh, have experienced, I guess, the levels of responses that, um, mm. you know, uh, map up to uh, historic censuses that we've had, the last one happening out in uh, 2011. Now, let's shift away from that and come to company news, Akona. Barlow World, I mean, I always find uh, these guys very interesting, um, you know, a diversified industrials player which Mm. is moving out of a few sectors it operates in. Start for me there in that car rental business. I think many people would be familiar with the Avis business. Uh, And it seems, well, it seems it's their business that is no longer their business that might not be their business so soon, well, in the (coughs) near future.
1: Yeah, so today, um, Barlow World um, provided an update, uh, more of like a voluntary um, trading update um, for the five months to the 28th of February 2022. And um, so just patching with regards to their car traveling um, and, the, and their fleet. Um so um, many will recall that they haven't ever um, which pre-COVID was doing quite extremely well. Um, however, um, with regards to the results that came out today, um, they did indicate that the strong contract management and the focus, particularly on the health of the fleet, um, coupled with a number of um, risks, um, have unfortunately Um, made this business not as feasible as it used to. Um, So yes, pre-COVID, it was doing extremely well. Um, So they did indicate that, um, particularly with regards to the car rentals business um, in the last quarter, it did come back quite nicely. So they saw about a bounce back for car rentals in South Africa um, with regards to demanding corporate travel and also many of us traveling to other countries. Um, But also, they also saw a green light, particularly with regards to foreign tourism, Um, which came back quite nicely. Um, So it is a business that um, struggled, particularly in the COVID period, um, and has obviously um, continued to provide um, a number of good um, results. Um, However, it is a business that they're looking um, to rejuvenate or possibly miss um, because of the, the challenges in, in which they're currently mm-hmm. face at
0: the moment. Sure, sure. I want us to pause here for a second, Akwana, and take a quick spot break. When we come back, uh, we'll unpack a bit more from uh, that uh, update that had come through from Barlow World there, an update uh, for the five months ending 28th February 2022. And uh, we'll also take a look at the uh, yellow plant business, uh, the equipment business there, which often, I guess, benefits uh, from uh, improved and mining activity and production on that score and it seems this time around with favorable commodity prices that is what indeed has happened but we'll continue with that after this break 23 minutes it is after 7pm it's our wrap of the top business stories and uh, we take a look at uh, the latest in the markets and company news and across uh, uh, the global national and continental economy is my guest tonight Portfolio Manager, 27 for Investment Managers. And uh, akona uh, we're talking about uh, that update for the five months coming through from Barlow World. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we've looked at their fleet and uh, car rental business, which uh, they might delist, might dispose of. Well, we don't know what might happen there. Mm. Talk to me about uh, the sale that uh, they flagged in their logistics business here, they've had investments in Manline Energy, Manline Freight, uh, which many of our uh, listeners would see on our roads and Timber Twenty Four. This was concluded uh, at the end of the five-month period, uh, and uh, of course, uh, I guess uh, part of their restructuring here.
1: Yeah. So, in terms of the the group, they indicated um, that they would obviously sell the group's investment, particularly with regards to Manline Energy, Manline Freight, and Timber Twenty Four. Um, which was said to be concluded by the 28th of February of 2022. Um, So the company um, did indicate that particularly the the business with regards to the transport sector, um, which is obviously made up of dedicated customer contracts, um, they are are currently in the process of being executed in an orderly manner and obviously um, transported um, to the relevant parties. Um, with regards to concluding the deal um, by the end of 31 March of 2022, mm. um, so they are exiting the logistics And um, I think it's been a quite a tough, particularly um, particularly in the sector. And um, as you know, what happened in July of last year with regards to the riots, um, and many of the logistic companies heavily been affected. Um, they trust particularly, um, how, how, uh, however, um, there's also been a lot of supply chain and. Um, restrictions and challenges, uh, not only on the domestic side, but also globally, um, that has taken place.
0: Mm, mm. Now, they also have a consumer industries business there. I think it's a starch business. Uh, revenue up 48.1%. Of course, albeit off a lower base, but domestic starch and glucose volumes up 30%. And a big part of this driven by agri-product volumes. Uh, and I guess uh, on the back of um, bumper harvests, uh, the rains are looking quite good. Uh, talk to me about that and I guess also that yellow metal uh, business, uh, in particular the Caterpillar business, which uh, is seemingly affected by all that's mm. happening out in Eastern Europe.
1: Yeah, so we just starting with the Ingrave business, so they indicated that the domestic starch and glucose volumes um, did provide some increase of about 30% um, for the period, um, while the agri-product volumes were supported by an increase to and um, grind across the business and also was supported by export sales volume, which increased um, quite considerably during this period. Um, however, when talking with regards to their exposure, particularly to Russia, um, with regards to the invasion in Ukraine, um, if you um, recall, um Battle World has been in Russia since uh, 1998 um, and has a, a subsidiary which is the official dealer um, of their construction, mining, and industrial machinery in large parts of Russia. Um, and their partnership, they ind- indicated their partnership with Caterpillar. Um, who has recently announced um, a suspension uh, of manufacturing facilities um, in a plant in Russia, um, which um, will directly affect them. So particularly with regards to this investment and with regards to this company, um, they they did indicate that they'll have to employ um, some of the assets in Russia um, as a result of of some of the challenges that are currently taking place and also a lot of disruptions. Um, So there's been a disruption... That has been caused by the Ukraine invasion and the impact, particularly in the COVID-19 um, in Magnolia, in Magnolia um, with regards to the Eurasian Equipment Division, um, which, however, delivered strong results. Um, however, is being been impacted by the region who has um, recorded an increase in COVID-19 cases. Mm, um, so they indicated also the order book for, for the equipment um, for the end of February reached record highs. Um, however, they did indicate that the challenges that they are currently seeing within the region of Ukraine and Russia um, will um, impact their business going forward. And they will obviously continue to monitor the sanctions that are currently um, underway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the Public uh, Service Summit, uh, where it seems all parties to that summit, uh, both employer and employee, government and public sector trade unions. (laughs) Bonga (laughs) ako anabata abana mali.
1: Yeah, so abana mali because as you recall there, Constitutional Court um, earlier dismissed an appeal um, brought by unions and public sector unions mm. um, after the government uh, reneged or pulled out of aspects um, of the collective wage agreement which they reached um, in 2018. Um, so you recall um, while the, the state implemented wage increases for 2018-2019 and 2019 and 2020. Um, however, the third clause um, relating to wages for 2020 and 2021, um, however, had to be stalled um, due to a lack of funding, um, which is why the unions and the representatives took this case on, um, however they did lose their appeal um, at the Constitutional Court. So there are currently tensions between the parties, um, between the unions, and also the government, um, p- uh, pertaining to this case that has taken place, and also a trust deficit um, has been implanted and it's currently going on. So there is a, a, a public sector mm. um, service summit which began yesterday. Um, and the tone that has come out from communications that we've heard um, in the news um, is the trust deficit has increased. And um, I think there will be a lot of work that is needed to rebuild that trust, um, particularly with regards to um, I, uh, Minister Ayanda Zolo's department. Um, however, also Treasury, um, the, um, the public sector um, services um, members indicated that the, they have no trust, particularly for this division, um, with regard to with the cases and, obviously, the agreement that was reached in 2018 and, obviously, had to be um, again, which was, obviously, by the Constitutional Court, was illicit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a trust deficit, and I think it's something that will be a challenge going forward. Um, as you know, prices um, are increasing. You know many members um, will start looking for wage increases, and um, obviously just trying to compensate um, for the increase in inflation um, and food prices. So it'll be interesting how this particular relationship builds itself or can can it build itself up again.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, talk, talk to me about the implication of it, right? Um, if we've got a more fractious um, you know, bargaining process characterized by deep mistrust, what is the implication for many of us as people who use public services? Um, I always, you know, people, I guess, you know, even tease me about it, always go back to the 2007 public sector strike, right? Uh, In a sense, because for me, certainly in my own lifetime, that's a big flashpoint of when we saw the public sector workers go out in full force and withdraw their labor. I mean, um, are we likely to anticipate more of that? Uh, Because in many ways, notwithstanding, you know, the bargains that uh, public sector workers have struck, you know, occupational specific dispensations, all manner of other things. Since 2007, there haven't been as fractious industrial actions as we've seen, I guess, you know, um, in an earlier period in South Africa. So now that there's all of this mistrust, are things going to become a lot more fractious? And if they do, what does that mean for you and me as people who use public services?
1: Yeah, so I think the trust um, is currently uh, at all time lows. Um, however, it will be up to the unions and also the department and how they make this trust deficit that is currently underway underway. Um however the did indicate um with regards to the news and what is currently happening at the summit. Um I think the union and union members have prided themselves particularly on collective bargaining um, and they've indicated that has been admired internationally by um other um unions um, internationally. Um however this ha- per- process in the last month or two um has put a dent on this. Um so do we expect more um strikes? Um possibly yes, um Aya. And who will be the bearer of that? Um, Unfortunately, it it will be us. Um, So it will need to be a collective partnership that um, the two parties, union and government, are able to agree on and also in tough times because um, everybody, we all need to be at work getting our economy back and getting it it back on the road. Um, We've seen with the GDP numbers that are not great and employment numbers that are not great. Um, I think we are all aware of the dire and challenges that the country faces, and mm-hmm. we all need to be aware. But I think we also need to be cognizant um, with regards to the plight of members and union members, and also South Africans, um, particularly in this difficult time of increasing inflation mm-hmm. and also growing unemployment. Um, so it is a challenging period of how government and the partnership, um, with regards to their past partnership and at will h- and how they will c- come to resolve the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a challenge going forward that um, could. And provide a ripple effect for the rest of the economy yeah. to get
0: to it yeah, I mean, I guess this is why we need a social compact um, mm-hmm. because it does seem to me that a lot of the issues here are also because there is an overarching framework that says this is the trade-off anglo in you know we'll do this mm-hmm. you you do this on the other end. Um, mm-hmm. and even if you know people consider Nedlac and all of that, but it does just doesn't seem that there is a sense of a pact oh. where those trade-offs are outlined in that fashion.
1: Or even cohesion. So I think um, I think there isn't a lot of cohesion happening a lot of at the moment. So there's a lot of mistrust um, happening across various sectors and um, unions, private the private, the public organisations. Um, so it, it, it will be interesting how this bridge um, can be made and how these people can come to the table and order the volunteer will their lines for the longest trajectory, um, particularly of the South African story.
0: Yeah, and I guess one of you know. When it comes to some of these things, I mean, there's also big question marks around who bargains where. uh, Because Mm. even in the public sector, I mean, there's different bargaining chambers. um, So I understand Mm. this one in particular is for provincial and national uh, uh, um, workers, so people who work in those departments. And SOCs would have their own bargaining council. Local government would have their own. And I think Mm. that might be part of, you know, the changes that are needed, harmonizing that. because. You know, uh, in many ways, when we talk about a bloated public sector wage bill, we're not talking about a bloated, you know, frontline public sector wage bill. Actually, a lot of the people who are frontline workers don't get a lot of money. Mm -hmm. A lot of the money seems to to be sitting there at the top. Akona, maybe just a a last one before I let you go. Um, And of course, right up until there's some ceasefire in the Russia-Ukraine issue, we're going to talk about the impact and spillovers that that has on the global Mm -hmm. economy. We've spoken a lot during the COVID-19 moment about Global supply chain challenges. So goods that are coming through from China, coming into our own ports here in South Africa, taking much longer. The costs of shipping those things out have become much more expensive for importers and exporters. Uh, And there's all manner of challenges that continue to confront, you know, the trade-related aspects of of our economy. It seems now things are set to get worse. Omicron out in China, precipitating a Mm. hard lockdown. Factories are closed, ports are closed. And then add to that... You know, things like neon. I didn't know Ukraine produced a significant chunk of of neon, but uh, Mm -hmm. it just does seem that um, many of the parts that people need to produce some of the things that we're very familiar with that come Mm -hmm. from Ukraine are coming in in shorter and shorter supply. What is all of this going to mean?
1: Yeah, so I think when we spoke about this um, with regards to coming into the third quarter of 2021, um, we highlighted the global supply chains at the time. But when coming into 2022, we thought we thought um, these global supplies would start easing, and we were um, behind the worst of some of the situations that we had faced um, last year. Um, however, with regards to the headwinds that we currently face with the war in Ukraine and also um, the time of COVID lockdowns that are taking place, we are obviously, seems like we are not um, moving at as, as a, as a pace where not, or that, that might have moved. So we know last year, particularly in the last two years, trade turmoil um, has taken place um, across Asia, across the U.S. trade, and also the latest turmoil um, has been felt acutely by a lot of countries that are very much reliant um, on Russian energy, um, such as the likes of Germany and other um, countries in the the European Union. Um, However, I think this new particularly strain, the lockdown um, in Shanghai, um, is extreme and was particularly unexpected. Um, because this particular lockdown is a two-stage shutdown um, of China's financial hub, um, which accounts for about 26 million residents. Um, This eight-day lockdown, which started yesterday, um, is obviously having a far-reaching and severe impact um, because it is imposed directly on Shanghai, the city, which is China's second wealthiest after Beijing. Um, And also, it is China's economic hub in terms of the ports um, so, and it's one of the world's busiest ports. Um, so, Shanghai has currently got a number of container ships just waiting um, off the main ports, um, which have not moved um, in the last few days, um, which has obviously exacerbated a lot of the global supply chains, um, which are highly dependent on shipments from the city. Um, so, this has just exacerbated a lot of the supply chains um, challenges that we are currently experiencing and will experience, um, such as a lot of products which we are currently waiting for um, in the loss of pharmaceuticals, uh, fertilizers, agricultural produce um, that is currently not being shipped um, due to the disruption um, that is taking place um, with regards to the region of Shanghai. Mm. Uh, But I think what's also important is that this particular impact um, could have greater um, uh, challenge, particularly hitting the GDP um, of um, China to about 5.5% this year, um, which Shanghai accounts for about 4%. Um, So this particular challenge um, is not something that we thought would go away um, as quickly as possible because these new um, latest terminals that have taken place in the Mm -hmm. last two months um, could become very detrimental um, to the future of the supply chain, which will only be felt maybe in the second quarter of the year and third quarter of the year um, as we wait for things to filter down.
0: Um, as we go on. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, we might be talking about it as if it's in the context of what's happening out in Russia and in Ukraine, but we've already started to see the ripple impact here at home. We we did a story yesterday from Mercedes-Benz's manufacturing facilities out in East London. And, you know, 180 workers have been laid off there, largely mm-hmm. due to a shortage of particular inputs that are needed to that production process. Saw so earlier on today on Twitter again uh, and uh, thanks to Nande underscore mag on Twitter, you know, sharing, I guess, the story of her sister uh, who received a notice from uh, you know, VW, South Africa's production unit, saying, look, uh, production employees in assembly, body shop, paint shop, press shop in the end line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, all these shifts have been cancelled. And uh, the situation, as it reads, is caused by delays in the delivery of parts from Europe. So, yeah, you
1: know mm. no you're you completely right, so a lot of the raw materials um will affect um manufacturers, such as Mercedes as you've mentioned, but I think what's also important to note is that also there'll be rising food shortages mm. um, in a number of countries, not just um South Africa but in a number of um other countries in, in our continent sure, who are sure. very much reliant on um Ukraine and Russia um for their food projects so this is going to escalate further um, mm. unless um, there is a deal that is struck oh, um, in hoping, the next few
0: weeks. You know, you know I was hoping Akwana you weren't going to mention the food shortages one because the moment we <laughs> start to talk about that, we know South African industry wow, about currency price gouging.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: You know, you're going to get to yeah. the stores uh, and you're looking for your favorite thing. It used to cost five five rand, now it costs forty mm. rand. Bars? Mm. bars? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Akona, always a pleasure catching up with you and Akulu uh, for taking time out to speak to us.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate
0: it. Akona, Mlamleli, am portfolio manager there. 274 investment manager speaking to us this evening here on uh, yeah our business wrap. And it's true, the moment you start to talk about pressures on food prices from international developments, yo, South African processors and millers are looking at you. Uh, they're saying, yeah, this is a massive opportunity. aye in zilondo this time around. Please hold up with the price gouging.